0: You're listening to A Little Bit Better, a podcast where we talk about how breaking goals into small steps can lead to big results. Here we'll examine the cause and effects of our thoughts, our actions, and inactions, and how they influence how we live our lives. I'm your host, Chris Swale, a life and health coach. Let's get started. Hi, welcome back to A Little Bit Better, the podcast. I'm your host and confidence coach, Chris Swale. Today, we're going to dive into a topic I find incredibly fascinating, fear. There's so much possibility for awareness, aha moments, and growth in fear. We'll look at the five core fears that all humans share so you will be able to identify and better face yours. Fear is basically the core function behind life coaching. While you may not initially make the correlation with fear being the predominant theme in life coaching, I'll explain how it is and how most challenges can be traced back to a position of fear with a little deep diving. I get asked quite a lot, what exactly is a life coach? Is it a therapist? Is it somebody who tells me exactly what I'm supposed to do? While there are different techniques and approaches in coaching, the answer is this. A life coach helps people overcome fear and overwhelm in order to create the life they want. We don't necessarily hand you the answers, rather we guide you to find them within yourself. Everyone's experiences and values are unique, so only you know what truly resonates with you. In any area of your life where you feel like you're being held back, whether it's by your own self by others or circumstance, so that you are not where you want to be or living the life you want to be living, chances are high that what is really holding you back is fear. Working with a life coach can feel like therapy, but really it's about making breakthroughs. Those breakthroughs, the aha moments, help you understand what's going on and sheds light on how to create the change you desire. That in itself can be considered a form of therapy. When you can identify your fears, you can transform them. And when you transform them, you can solve the problems that they're causing and overcome your challenges to live a better, more fulfilling life with you at the helm. When I say transform fear, it means taking your identified fear, which is your current truth, and turning it into positive action to be your new truth. It's hard to change things you haven't properly identified and owned. So when you can access what's really going on, your truth, you can find ways to minimize or conquer any fear and direct that energy instead in a way that helps you move forward. Identifying and listening to your fears will give you the confidence, the willingness, the empowerment, and motivation to take action required to create the life that you truly want to be living. The goal is not to become fearless in the sense that you don't have fear again because fear is very useful. Fear has a function. We learn from it and we also understand ourselves and our behaviors much better and we can see where we want to go. Fear is a message sent from our brain. It's actually a positive intention because our brain is trying to keep us safe. So understanding or exploring exactly what the fear is and what it's trying to protect us from is how we learn to grow beyond that fear and how we grow into a better version of ourselves. That allows us to be fearless in the sense of being bold and going after what we want. Fear is excitement. Fear means change is coming or could come, which can feel scary and incredible. Let's dive into the five core human fears. They are extinction, mutilation or bodily invasion, loss of autonomy, separation, abandonment, or rejection, and finally, humiliation, shame, and worthlessness. Extinction is what it sounds like. It's the fear of ceasing to exist. Death is such an unknown state. You may have faith that there's a heaven you're going to afterwards or believe this is it. Life or consciousness is over when it's over. Either way, while here on earth, there is a certain unknowing which can be unsettling. That is partly why a lot of people do turn to faith. It helps calm that anxiety felt from uncertainty by reassuring ourselves or our brain that there is something beyond, which means existence in some capacity. Back in our primitive days, Imminent physical dangers of unexpected death was a lot higher and we relied on our tribe to survive. So fear of extinction was our brain helping us be aware of our surroundings, people, and things and behaviors that could literally threaten our lives. Fear of extinction can also show up in less obvious ways than death. It shows up when we are in situations that are brand new to us such as moving into a new career, moving to a new place, or changing something about your lifestyle, like losing weight or changing your diet. These things require a new identity. And when you don't identify yourself in that new state, position, or place, it can give a sense or a feeling of annihilation. Our brain can't perceive the difference between real physical threats to our body and emotions, anxiety, and stress created by our our thoughts. It can't differentiate between the stress of extinction from your physical body or psychologically through your identity. Let's look at other places the fear of extinction can show up. Significant changes in your finances can also be a trigger, both having very little money and then suddenly coming into a lot or vice versa, where you have a lot and then lose it suddenly. It can provoke the fear of not knowing who you are in this new financial state. So it's a loss of identity, regardless if that identity is positive or negative. Any situation where you start asking, who am I? And you really truly feel that you don't understand who you are in that new circumstance is an indication of a fear of extinction. This questioning of self and who and how you fit into the world. In regards to love and relationships, the fear of extinction can show up in thoughts such as, I'm going to die alone, or what if I die and no one even knows, or no one loves me, I don't matter. I could disappear and no one would even care or notice. These kinds of thoughts can lead to behaviors that don't nurture healthy relationships or that make you feel like you are dependent on somebody else for your happiness and your livelihood. In terms of faith or any type of spiritual connection, worries such as does life or does my life have purpose or worries about what happens after you die can be a sign of extinction fears. It's no secret some religions have heavily leveraged fears of being punished after you die. For others, the thought of there simply being nothing at the end can be panic-inducing. The fear of extinction is such a big one because it is really all-encompassing about your entire self. Discovering if what's holding you back is based in the fear of extinction can be turned around to motivate you to make changes to live your best life now and for whatever future you may have. And perhaps even more powerful, it can help you learn to be more present right now in your day-to-day life. Simply having the awareness of these fears and understanding where they're coming from can be the impetus to redirect the energy from your fears and help you make progress towards living a more fulfilling life. Let's move on to the second one, which is mutilation and bodily invasion. This too is what it sounds like. It's the fear of losing a part of your body or having your body's boundaries invaded. It's the fear of being or feeling physically unsafe, often from the unpredictability of others. A common example is a fear of animals. You could be attacked or harmed. Another fear is of crowds in that unpredictability of mass human behavior. You could be trampled or personally violated. This fear also shows up in medical situations such as receiving needles, medications, and medical procedures. Even when the purpose is to heal or help, the process feels invasive and out of your control. Rationally, your brain knows that getting that treatment will make you feel better. The process of having it done, though, is a surrender of sorts, which can feel unsafe. An easy illustration of this is how innately so many kids just scream and cry going to the dentist or to their doctors. The feeling or thought of someone poking and prodding at their body is very triggering, and it also feels unsafe because don't have control over what that person is going to be doing to them. This is quite relevant in today's pandemic world. Bodily invasion from unseen things such as viruses and bacteria is another way that this can manifest. Hypochondriacs fall into this category. In relationships, it can be the fear of being physically and emotionally abused. This can show up as post-traumatic stress syndrome from past relationships and it can hold you back from new and healthy relationships. Physically, this fear also includes objects hurting you, as well as your body giving out in taxing situations like doing heavy lifting. This fear really encompasses unpredictability. And so again, being aware of what feels threatening can help you structure your habits to mitigate any negative impacts to yourself. If you are having a planned medical procedure, having an understanding beforehand of what will happen before during, and after can greatly reduce your stress and anxiety before you start. We've touched upon fear number three in past episodes, that is the loss of autonomy. This involves feeling constricted, confined, trapped, suffocated, smothered, or otherwise quite restricted. This can show up as claustrophobia. It can be a fear of commitment towards people, events, to a job or career path, or anything really that requires you to essentially sign on and then act. A loss of autonomy can be felt through laws, rules from government, from religion, family, from anyone in authority where we have a sense of being powerless. Thoughts to be aware of in regards to this fear may sound like, I can't do what I love and make a good living. It's that either-or mentality of having to choose one at the expense of another. It can show up as, I'm drowning in responsibilities, or I feel like I have no choice in X, or this is just all too much. So loss of autonomy is often presented with big feelings of overwhelm or being stuck without the ability or permission to change. Socially, it can also show up masked as jealousy or victim mentality in the sense where you feel others can have certain things, finances, experiences, jobs, relationships. It can feel like you're a victim of circumstance. In love and relationships, it could be feeling unheard and not valued or simply being controlled. Or it can present in the kind of person who, when beginning a new relationship, they dive in so much into their partner's, their new partner's world, that they lose touch with their previous friends and family and activities. In terms of faith, a loss of autonomy can be if you find yourself questioning a rule or part of the belief system that you're supposed to adhere to, and you wonder what that might mean about you. This can sound like, what is wrong with me? If you're feeling your main fears lie in the loss of autonomy category, you can create a plan of action that first shows you your current thought, then shows you your choices whether you like them or not, which gives you the empowerment to see that you are in control of your path. At times, it may not feel like you have a lot of control, but even just a little bit can really release stress and make a big difference. The fourth core human fear is separation, abandonment, or rejection. It plays into our need for belonging and acceptance. This goes way back to our primitive days where we needed the protection of the tribe to survive all outside physical threats. Physical threats were the greatest threats to us at that time. So now in the modern world where physical threats take a backseat to our emotional thoughts, the stress that we create for ourselves in our brains, while the critter brain isn't able to differentiate between the real and the imagined. So it feels the trigger and screams, you're going to die, but it doesn't realize that it's not a physical threat. Fears of separation, abandonment, or rejection can show up when a relationship ends. It fully encompasses heartbreak. It can also show up when a relationship deepens and what I mean by that is that you may find yourself in a wonderful relationship and you feel so much connection and then all of a sudden this fear pops up about what if that person suddenly rejects me? What if they leave me? This can lead people to sabotage their own relationships. The fear of a person leaving you can cause you to reject them first or you may behave in ways that provoke them to actually leave, almost as a way to justify your initial fear. Thoughts such as, if I do X, insert your goal or dream, what will others think of me? Also illustrate fears of separation, abandonment, or rejection. If you make a change in your life that is different from your current identity, will the people, will the tribe still accept you? Even if the change you want to make makes you healthier, wealthier, happier. The new state requires behavior changes from you. To be in the tribe, you had to adhere to behaviors that helped the tribe or you were tossed out. To change today requires behavior changes. So these are not usually physically life-threatening, but the brain doesn't know that. This is why we often don't go after our dreams and goals. Because our brain is so imprinted to not change our behavior There's a sense of safety in staying where one is, even if it's not the best place for us. Stepping outside that place is scary. Another angle in this category of fear is if you have feelings that you don't think your partner, your boss, a family member... Or friend will agree with that you may feel you will lose love. This can cause self-censorship where you do not speak up for yourself nor do you live authentically. It can also lead to negative self-talk, questioning if you are selfish for wanting something outside of the current norm. We're readily seeing that right now with people whose opinions differ from the mainstream opinions around the pandemic. People are afraid to speak out against lockdowns or whatever it is because they have experienced or seen others who spoke out about it be cut down. Stepping outside a widely held belief system when you no longer identify with it can feel as stressful and crippling as staying in it. So fears of separation, abandonment, and rejection are really tied to how people and society will judge you and accept you or not. Okay, fear number five is humiliation, shame, or worthlessness. Humans need to feel worthy of love, need to feel valued in the world in order to feel safe and connected with others. This fear dials in on self-love and self-worth. It can manifest as an intense criticism to mask the fear of failure. Imposter syndrome is an example here. You may think you don't have the experience, the credentials, the network, the skills, the clout to do whatever it is you want to do. It could sound like, I don't deserve this, or I'm not capable, or I'm not smart enough. An easy way to identify if you're encompassing this fear is by listening to what you're telling yourself. If those sentences contain can't or end with enough, then bingo, you're sitting in this fear. This can also be identified in people who are constantly over-delivering or who are overly apologetic or overly complimentary. It can show up as Binge behavior such as binge eating, but also in binge activities such as buying or excessive exercising. These behaviors are triggered by shame, humiliation, or worthlessness. And by partaking in those behaviors in the moment, you feel good then, but it starts a cycle of more shaming, humiliation, and worthlessness in the aftermath. You can identify this if you question if you are a good person or if you've already decided that you are bad, or wrong, or not enough. This fear can also show up in regards to personal desires. A lot of times women associate their ambition with shame. This is definitely a product of society and needs to actively be chipped away at. Women traditionally have served, served others. So putting their dreams or their selves first is looked at as a bad thing. No one thinks a man who wants to earn a million dollars is wrong, but if a woman does, since that has not been the socially accepted norm, there's a lot more resistance to it. There's a lot more negativity, both from the inner self of that woman and often outwardly from the, from the community. The movement to lift women up is a long one that continues, so it can feel very scary to be a trailblazer on that path. On the flip side, it can show up for women who don't want to work or don't want to go back to work after they have children. A stay-at-home mom may feel they are not as valued. So often there is embarrassed laughter as one mumbles, "'Oh, I'm, I'm just home with the kids.'" And then they often feel a need to insert examples of what else they plan to do in attempts to up their worth. This fear may be stopping you from taking the steps to create a better life. When you recognize this in your life, doing a lot of mindset work will help you break that cycle of staying in the status quo. You will empower and support yourself to move through these limiting beliefs and go after those big goals and dreams. I know this may have been a lot of information, but knowledge is power. Predominantly, our fears are in our minds. This is a great thing because it means we can work on them and we can change them. So here's my challenge for you Pick an area in your life where you feel stuck. Write what that is, that stuck feeling. Then write down all your fears about it. Don't hold back, dig them all out as silly, as insignificant or scary as they feel, write them down. Then write all the consequences that could happen if those fears came true, write that out. This might feel scary as well. It's okay, it's part of the process. Let the fears surface, acknowledge them, feel them. Next, write what would happen if those fears didn't come true. What would your life look like? What would be possible for you? Be aware of your fears that might be holding you back from unleashing the possibilities on your paper right now while you're doing that exercise. Dream big, envision your greatness, envision your potential. Take as many pages as you need in a notebook or grab my free Face Your Fears download. Fear isn't bad. It doesn't necessarily mean stop. It doesn't mean don't try or that you're wrong or bad or not worthy. Fear is a love note, a message alerting you that you are important. You are worthy. When you can identify what your fears are, you'll be able to see how they are holding you back, which means you'll also be able to see how you can move forward and grow through that fear. Your best life is waiting for you. Embrace your fears and go get it. You've got this. Thanks for listening to A Little Bit Better. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find this podcast. Subscribe to A Little Bit Better so you never miss an episode. Share it with friends and family. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at This Is A Little Bit Better or find me online at a littlebitbetter.ca. I'd love to hear from you, and if you'd like information about coaching with me, please reach out. I am Chris Swale. I'm excited to connect again soon. So until next time, have fun being a little bit better.